Good morning, St. Michael's. Please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful to be here. We enter your gates with thanksgiving, with praise. We come before you with humble hearts and expectant to see you move in our midst today, Lord. Open our eyes to see the wonder of your presence, the wonder of this life that we get to live
our sins. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart, I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolute remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace, consolation of his Holy Spirit. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy.
know, it's amazing how many of us come every Sunday uh, with needs that we've been holding up to, Lord. Sometimes He really pours out upon us His grace and His mercy and His blessing. Whatever you believe in God for today, you just reach out and grab it. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. The enemy will probably try to pull that away from you again, but you just hold on to it. Just cause it to come to you. You're the people of God. You're great and mighty in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the Lord be with you. Let's pray together our call this morning. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread which gives life to the world, evermore give us this bread that he may live in us and we in him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Blessing of the children. <laughs> I don't know. This is the best part of service for me. <laughs> what, are you, what are you? What are you guys learning in Sunday school? You learn all about Jesus and Moses and all the great men and women of God. I'll bet you are. I'll bet you we're thankful for the teachers we have that will leave the service and get, they have to give that extra, give them themselves to go and teach you. And we're blessed to have them. Jesus touched his children and just continue to minister into their minds, into their hearts, into their souls, their very souls, Lord, the things of God. We expect them all, each and every one, to become mighty warriors for Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? Cool. Okay, amen. See you guys. This morning's first lesson comes from Joshua chapter 5, beginning at verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them 
the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 34. Please respond by the half verse. I will bless the Lord at all times. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. They looked to him and were radiant. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Our second reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, commencing in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed up to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, 
as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. St. Luke chapter 15 beginning in verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent it all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. The Gospel of the Lord.
Morning, everybody. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence this morning, asking you to move in our lives, believing that you're going to accomplish all things together for our good. And just as we've seen you move in the past, we're going to believe that you're going to do it again. It was our song to you this morning, Lord. It's our prayer and our praise to you this morning. And now, Lord, I ask that you to put it into our very being and that we live it out. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in case you haven't noticed, there's a lot of craziness in the world. (laughs) The thing is, it's not just there. What happens is that same craziness works its way into our lives. There's craziness in our lives. There's a nervousness that takes place. It's a sense of of uneasiness. And the, 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 the thing that God wants for our lives is the miraculous. The longer I live, the more I'm convinced that, that our daily lives, as we live day to day, are to be in expectation of a supernatural intervention of the miraculous God. That's our expectation that should be there. And, and as we experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, what happens is we're to take that out and tell people uh, our story about how God intervened in our lives and how he uh, worked a miracle in our lives. And as we do that, they begin hungry uh, to get hungry to, to seek God for miraculous intervention and, and the supernatural intervention of God in their lives. Well, if that's the way we should live, the question is, why? what's preventing it? Because, see, Christianity is, is not just a good idea. Christianity is not just a philosophy. Christianity uh, is about a people who are just trying to be better people. Christianity is about the power of the Holy Spirit moving in our life every day and in every area of our life, whatever it is. See, it's not just when we come in to our church services. It's on the job. It's in your home. It's, it's about your health. It's, it's, it's about everything, every area of your life. That's the way Christianity is to be lived. So what keeps us from it? Is there something that we allow to take residence in our lives that derails that expectation? Is there something that we allow to come in and and just put a pause to it or take the expectation and and move it down the road somewhere? See, it's, it's easy to come in and sing a song about Lord, we've seen you do it, and we believe you'll do it again. But the question is, do we really believe that? 
Well, there's a reason that both Jesus and Paul made this statement. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. See, anxiety is vicious. And it will take up residence to produce dread, a dread of the future, to destroy faith, and to disregard every possible good that a good God is wanting to do in our lives. And to disregard every miraculous intervention that he made in the past. You see, it's easy to think, oh, he did it back then, but I really don't know about today. So today, I want to talk to you about this. What anxiety is, where it comes from, and most importantly, how do you overcome anxiety? Because I believe it's uh, uh, something that we're all experiencing to some extent. So let's begin. To overcome the anxiety, the first thing I want you to see this morning is the attributes of anxiety. The attributes of anxiety. What is the, the basis of it? What is the basic attribute of anxiety? Well, here it is. I wrote this down so I can give it to you exactly. The most basic attribute of anxiety is the dread of something unknown. The dread of something unknown. There's, there's something out there. I don't, sure, I don't know what it is, but there's something that makes me nervous. I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is specifically, but there's something unknown out there that I don't know what it is. But it brings a, a controlling sense of doom. There's, there's something bad about to happen. That's the way anxiety works. There's something out there. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to do about it. And I really don't know if God's really working in it for me. Will he really work all things together for good for me? The way anxiety rises up in us is, is, a, a, is much more complicated than fear. It is a dread of the future but fear rises up, and, and fear is targeted. You know what fear is. There's something that makes you, fear, you know, fearful. It's a very specific thing. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid this will happen. And that's, that's fear. It's a, it's a fear of the future. But anxiety is much more general. I don't know what it is. I just feel anxious. I feel uneasy. I feel nervous. I, you know, I don't know how to define it. I don't know what, what's going on, and I certainly don't know what to do about it. It's, it's something that, that wakes me up in the middle of the night in cold sweats. It's something that, that 
I just can't get beyond. There's just a nervousness. Fear is for a moment. But anxiety can dominate your entire life. You hear that? Fear is for a moment. But anxiety can dominate your entire life. You can live in such anxiety that you won't do anything. You're afraid to risk. You're afraid to to move forward. You're afraid to, to step out in faith. You're afraid to do anything. And if you allow it to do so, it will stop you. It will stop you from loving life and seeing good days. It'll stop you from seeking the miraculous intervention of God in your life because there's really a question as to whether he really will. There's a question of whether when Jesus said the the Father knows, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things even before you ask. It raises a question. Anxiety does. It raises a question. Does he... Does he really, or will he do anything about it? You know, I know the Lord worked for me a long time ago, but will he do something about it today? It's, it's about that question. Well, what is that? It's a distortion to get you to disregard what God wants to do in your life. That attribute of anxiety is designed to get you to disregard what God wants to do to deal with that dread that you have. Let me show you in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus starts off and he's saying, hey, don't worry. You know, don't be anxious. And he goes on and he talks about uh, all the things that people worry about you know, what you're going to eat. You know, you're going to have enough food. You're going to have a job. You got a place to live. You, you got clothes to wear. You got gas in your car. You got all these things that just in day-to-day lives that, you, that concern you. And I'm not going to read this whole passage. So if we can drop down on the screen there to um, verse 30. But if God clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Why is the faith little? Because this attribute of of anxiety has come in and, and distorted it. Verse 31. Do not worry then saying, what are we to eat? Or what are we to drink? Or what are we to to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And look at it. Here it is. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. That's the truth. Anxiety wants to rob you of that truth. It wants to convince you he doesn't know. And if he does know, good luck getting him to do it. And that's the basic attribute of anxiety. 
It's a dread of something unknown and the uncertainty whether your God really meant it when he said, I know you need all this stuff. It robs him. It robs him. So, the good news is, your Heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Not only, though, are there the attributes of anxiety. The second thing I want you to see this morning is the attack of anxiety. How does it attack you? Well, there's three ways uh, that we're going to cover today, at least. (laughs) Number one, the attack comes control you so that you are controlled by fantasy. Paul's writing to writes to the Philippian church, and the whole book of Philippians is about anxiety and overcoming it, by the way. If you really want an in-depth, unabridged version of this sermon, get the book of Philippians out and read it. The Philippian church was going through persecution. They were severely being attacked. So Paul writes to them and tells them, do not give in to anxiety. He says, because... What their fear is, what their, what their fantasies about of the future was so much greater than what was actually taking place that it was controlling them. They were controlled by their fantasies. It's like, oh my goodness, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, and, and you immediately, in, in fantasy, you immediately run to the most severe extreme thing. <laughs> you know, it's like... The worst it could ever be. You immediately go there. It couldn't be anything less than that. And so that, that begins to control you. So Paul writes to the church in Philippians. He says this in chapter 1, verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm. Stand firm. That's what Paul tells them. Stand firm in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28, look at this. And in no way, you see this? And in no way alarmed. Are you getting it? And in no way alarmed by your opponents. That's good news, guys. That's good news. And no, stand firm. Don't be alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but salvation for you. And this, too, is from God. I got to tell you. How many? I, I can't count the number of times Casey's come home from the office, and she tells me about you know supply chain problems and and back orders, and she goes, oh, I got a call today for this customer. They've waited so long for this, and I got a call, and their stuff was back ordered, and it was like, oh, what am I going to do? And so she said, I tried to get it all here, it just it wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't going to happen. And so she's got to call this customer. It's been waiting and waiting and waiting for months for their installation. And she's got to call them and tell them 
sorry, we've got to reschedule you. She says, but I, so I pray for it. She says, I, I can't tell you. It's just, I just know. God has intervened because I call the customer and I say, oh, well, that'll work out because something come up and I can't do it that day anyway. And she goes, and a day opens up and someone else that had a great need, it turns out, I was able to move them forward and I had an empty place to move them to. And she goes, that's God. See, that's God intervening in, in, in our daily lives. He's concerned about that kind of stuff. And see, what, what looked like it would be a bad thing, destruction, God turned around and used it for good. What he was really doing, it looked like it was all about this person that, that couldn't get their stuff. But what was really happening is God was making room for someone that had a real need. You see, that's the way he works. That's the way he works. Look at verse 29. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer on his behalf. Well, that's a different way of looking at this. <laughs> so wait a minute, where's the great news in that? I get to suffer? <laughs> what is he doing? This Philippian church was so caught up in their fantasies. They were so... Uh, the fantasy of fear. They were so full of fear that, that it was creating anxiety. And, and, and their fantasies are running a thousand miles away of what was really going on. And so what he's doing is he's bringing them back to reality. He's bringing them back to reality. God knows you're facing some stuff. He's aware some things are tough. But don't get caught up in fantasies. Stand firm. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> God knows all about this. See, God knows all about it. what what was meant for what you think was meant for your destruction, God's actually using it for good. He brings them back to reality because they're being controlled by their fantasies of the future. Well, not only that, secondly, the anxiety attacks us by causing us to be centered on self. Centered on self. One of the attacks of anxiety is self-centeredness. Where there's so much I'd like to say, but I'll be nice. <laughs> I'll just simply say, this was happening again in the church there at Philippi. So Paul writes to them, and look what he says, chapter 2, verse 1. In case you haven't noticed, we're going to read the whole book of Philippians today. <laughs> we're just not going to read it, okay? So we went to chapter 1, now we're in chapter 2. All right, he says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ... If any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, 
maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And here it is, verse 3, look at it. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility. Consider one another as more important than yourselves. Look at verse 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. What is he saying? You're not the only one going through stuff. Be aware of what your your neighbors are going through. Be aware of what your brothers and sisters here in the church are going through. Be aware of what your coworkers are going through. Be aware of what's going on in your community. You're not the only one. And what he's telling them really is, if you want to overcome anxiety, go help somebody else. So we were at our elders' retreat this last week out in the desert. And that was the word of the Lord to us. The Holy Spirit just moved in probably one of the most powerful times that I've experienced in a long time in our elders' uh, retreats. It was wonderful. And the word of the Lord to us was help others. Help us. Very specifically, we re- God gave us a vision. Feed the poor. We have, a, we have a wonderful food ministry here. There was like, I think they said there was up to 90, 90 families that, that uh, were fed in the last week. And there's just a, a handful of them plugging away and, 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 and making that happen. And the elders were given a vision of, of, of we've got to come around those. We've got to be a church that's focused on feeding the poor, taking care of others. See, give and it shall be given unto you. And so God says, don't don't look out just for your own personal interest. Look out for others. Do good for them. And I believe we're going to look back a year from now, and, and this community is going to say, uh, that's a church that's known for helping others. That's a church about feeding the poor. That's a church that, that understands what it's all about. And I know this, I would say that's a church that wants to do whatever God tells them to do. And so over the next few weeks, over the next uh, few months, we're going to be talking about the vision that God has given us for for feeding the poor. It's going to be a, a focus around here. Be prepared. You're going to have the opportunity. Isn't that wonderful? You're going to have the opportunity to not just look out for your own self. You're going to have an opportunity to minister to people. 
just by handing out a loaf of bread. Jesus gave him five loaves and two fish, and he says, here, you go feed them. That's what he's saying to us. I got you some loaves of bread over there. You go feed them. Anxiety will keep you from doing that because you become so focused on your own self. Oh, my goodness, what if this happens? Woe is me, woe is me. And God's saying, stop. I believe in the word to us is that if we will do this, our church is going to grow. Our school is going to grow. Why? Because of some growth mechanism? No. Because we're willing to do what God's telling us to do. He's given us a vision. He's given us direction. And we're going to be talking to you about it. And he's going to expect you to respond. So don't let anxiety keep you from doing that. Amen? Now, the third way that uh, anxiety attacks is with a conflict of your faith. In the third chapter of Philippians, verse 18, For many walk, of whom I often told you, remember this is a church that's under tremendous persecution, and now tell you, even as I weep, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. There's been a conflict to their faith, maybe even a collapse. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame is in their shame. Who have their minds, here it is, who have their minds on earthly things. You see, that's the conflict of faith. Anxiety attacks your faith. It causes you to, to, to turn your mind away from an expectation of the miraculous intervention of God. See, you're no longer able to live by faith. You're no longer able to walk by faith. Because you're not really sure that the Heavenly Father really does know what you need. And if He does, you're not really sure He's going to take care of it for you. So what do you do? Man, I better try to figure this one out myself. I i got to figure this one out in the flesh. I don't know if I want to trust this spiritual stuff. The conflict of the Spirit. So, the fantasies of the future, the unknown thing, attacks us in all three of those ways. But the third thing that I want to bring to you this morning, and this is the most exciting one, is, is the antidote to anxiety. Anxiety does have an antidote. And really, Paul lays it out in chapter 4 of Philippians. And he lays out four very specific things. Praise with rejoicing, number one. Praise with rejoicing. See, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You see it? Praise with rejoicing. One of the residue things that's 
come out of the plague. There's this whole thing of social distancing. It was easy to get stuck in isolation in your own home and with people that, you, you know, just a real close group of people. It was easy to, to get used to not going to home group. It was easy to get used to not going to church. It was easy to, heck, people don't even want to go back to work. They like working from home so much. And it, all kinds of stuff. It was, it's easy to get caught up in all that social distancing. But the outgrowth of that is spiritual distancing. We become distanced from God. I, uh, I personally experienced that. I was telling the, the elders at our retreat that part of the way through 2020, I just, I had lost my joy of singing. You know, we were live streaming services, but I'll tell you what. I tried sitting there and singing along with my TV, and it just wasn't working. I mean, maybe you guys are better than I am, but I'm just like, this sucks. <laughs> it's not the same. Better than nothing, but it's not the same. And I lost my joy of music. I mean, give me a spoken Eucharist and I'd have been happy. And for me, that's a, that was a huge thing. The first 15 years of my ministry, I was involved in music ministry. That's what I did. In addition to traveling and singing uh, and playing music, I produced records. Uh, I, I, I was a studio musician. I, I did all those things. That was my life. And so for me to say that I lost my joy about music is a huge thing. And when we did come back into the building, I just sit there and mm, yeah, kind of mumble through the music. I certainly wasn't rejoicing in the Lord. <laughs> I was mumbling in the Lord. <laughs> all right. And Deacon Jesse, I'm sorry, I call him, I call him Pastor Jesse. <laughs> Deacon Jesse had preached that morning. I don't recall exactly what it was that he preached on, but the Holy Spirit started ministering to me. So I went to Jesse, and I got our, our minister of music over there, Katie, and I said, guys, I need you to pray for me. They laid hands on me and prayed for me that the Lord would restore the joy of music in me. And the way that it came about is that very week, I stopped spiritual distancing myself from God. And I began to just worship and praise Him. And I returned to, to that speaking in tongues just five minutes a day. And then all of a sudden it was 15 minutes a day. And all of a sudden it's an hour. And I couldn't get enough. It was like, 
You see, it's one thing to do the daily office because it's your duty, because you, 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 you took an oath to do it in, in your holy orders for, for the clergy. But even for you, it's, it's one thing to, to do your daily office and to say your prayers and your devotions just because a sense of duty. It's one thing to come to church out of a sense of duty. But it's another to, to run there and you just can't, can't wait to be there and spend time with the Lord. And, and I got to that place where I just couldn't wait to get to my prayer time every day. And I was praising God and speaking in tongues and singing. And, and God had just restored the joy. You see? Praise with rejoicing is an antidote to anxiety. Not just that, praying with thanksgiving, number two. The second antidote is praying with thanksgiving. Verse six, do not be anxious. There it is, Paul's talking about it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that your request be made known, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. You see it? You see it? Once you come into my presence, once you have an audience with the king, our prayers aren't to be, oh, woe is me, look what's happening here, and look, oh, God, look over here. No, it's, Lord, thank you. You've taken such good care of me. You've always come through for me. You've never failed me. You're here, and I'm so thankful, Lord. I'm thankful the way that you work in my life, every aspect of it. I remember that time, and you go on and you start just re- praying with thanksgiving. The third antidote is protect your thoughts. Protect your thoughts. Sometimes the attack of anxiety is from the kingdom of darkness, the powers and principalities of the kingdom of darkness. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it's out of your own mind. It's your own thoughts. It's your own fantasies that you allow your mind to entertain. So that's what's happening uh, here here in the church at Philippi. And And we're not much different. So Paul tells them, discipline your mind. Protect your thoughts. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, think about these things. One translation says, dwell on these things. See, protect your mind. Discipline yourself. Discipline your mind. Don't let it run away with fantasies. Dwell on all the great things that God's done for you. Count your blessings, is what you say. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Well, finally, the fourth one. (laughs) This is my favorite one, I think. Practice what you've learned. 
Practice what you've learned. Verse 9. As for the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The church has already received so much teaching. You know, it's almost like we don't need another lesson. What we need to do is practice what we learn. We need to put it into practice. We don't need more teaching about feeding the poor. We need to put it into practice. We don't need more teaching about insert whatever in the blank. We need to practice what we've already learned. And that's what God's telling us. When we do that, peace. Peace. Because there's nothing you're facing that God's not aware of. The result will be the peace of God. The antidote for anxiety is peace. Well, how do you get it? You praise with rejoicing. You pray with thanksgiving. You protect your thoughts. And you practice what you've learned. You practice what you've learned. Amen. Well, stand with me this morning. I believe that I'm not the only one that experiences anxiety. And I also believe that God is here this morning to move in your lives. That wonderful supernatural intervention that we experienced in the desert this week. We brought it home with us. We didn't leave it there. And this morning, that same Holy Spirit is here to miraculously, supernaturally intervene in your life. So I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what it is for you. But this morning... I want us to pray for you. And so, if you'd like prayer, I want you to come right here with me. Okay? If you don't want prayer, stay where you are. (laughs) If you need prayer for anxiety, right here. This is the place. This is the time. That same Holy Spirit is right here with us. It may be about your job. It may be about your life. It may be about your kids. It may be about your marriage. It may be about your help. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. That same God is right here. The one we experienced in the desert, He's here. And you'll never be the same after you leave here this morning. Elders, I want you to, and elders' wives, because I want a big enough group, I want us to surround these. So find a way to come in and surround these. All the way around. Let's be a hedge around these people. 
Let's be a hedge around them. Let's protect them. God's getting ready to move. What we experienced in the desert, right here, right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the mighty and strong name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we confess, we believe that you know what we need. We don't doubt it. We agree to be a people of faith and be able to walk in faith. And we come against anxiety. We come against its attack. We come against it and we speak peace. We speak spirit of rejoicing and praising the Lord Jesus. We choose to discipline our mind. We choose to recall all the things God's done in our lives and the way he's always moved on us, that you've never failed us, Lord. You've never forgotten us, Lord. We appreciate it, Lord, and we're willing to tell you and rejoice in that. And, Lord, we want to be a people that practice everything that you've taught us. But this morning, Lord, I pray specifically for these. Lord, as the people you've put in leadership in this church, we choose to be a hedge of protection around these people this morning. And we speak peace into their lives. We want them to physically see that hedge of protection that you've built around them. That you're at work in their lives. You're moving in their lives this morning. Church, just begin to praise him and rejoice this morning. Brothers, if you have a word, speak it out. Amen. I was going to come up and give you a little uh, overview of the elders' uh, retreat. It's been many years since we've been on one. And uh, hallelujah. We need to do this more often because the oil runs down. And God met us in such a marvelous way. And it's not for us, it's for St. Michael's. It's for you. And you can mark today. On your calendar. Because God is building an army here. And I've been asleep. A lot of us have been asleep. God is waking us up. And in the weeks to come, there is going to be a powerful release just like today. It's going to continue. This release is going to continue. The anxiety that you're facing, God is going to crush. But it's a cost. It's not for free. And the cost is you picking up your cross and following Christ. And you know what? I want that. 
You know, I didn't think I did. I'd rather just lay in my bed and watch TV. But the end of that is anxiety. The end of that is selfishness. You know, Father hit all the nails today in the coffin. And God's opening the coffin door. And he's going to allow us to get up and to begin to change this city, our relatives, our families, those around us. Because we're going to break this spirit. And we're going to do it the way Christ did it. We're going to lay our lives down. We're going to carry our cross. And the joy of the Lord will fill us abundantly. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just wait a minute here and see what the Lord wants to to say. You know, the, uh, one of the things the Lord really spoke to us about and we're going to be focusing on as, as a church and a community is uh, the food ministry. Uh, and uh, that should be a tremendous uh, relief to uh, Deacon Phil and Kelly who've been carrying that on their shoulders for many years. But uh, I think if you have an opportunity, you come out, about 3 o'clock would be super great. And it goes to about 5.30 when we shut the gate down or whatever. You'll be greatly blessed. And uh, I would love to see us stumbling over each other. <laughs> and there's, it's, what it's going to do is... Uh, we got a spark going in front of the house at the time. We've got a spark going, and that spark, though, is kindling right now. And I didn't expect it to uh, be uh, gathering as much uh, fire and thrust as we got, but we brought the pro in, and so he really got it moving in the right direction. And so we don't want to let that go. We don't want to let that go. And... Uh, we might be a little ahead of you, and, and so the way to the way to catch up is just simply get in the boat with us, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna start really uh, serving our community, and, and it'll be a tremendous blessing to each and every one of us. Amen. Yes. God's on you. You got it. You heard it this morning. You got it. God's on you. He's going to use you. It's your generation. It's it's your age group that's going to win for God. God's on you. And all the others, it's your age group. You tell them about what God's doing in your life right now, what you're feeling. Amen. Amen. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. I release ministry into her. That which you're stirring up in her life, that which you're bringing those tears down her cheek, stir it up in all of us, Lord. 
Steer up your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're steering in her. And I pray that the outgrowth of that will be just one of those sparks that brings revival to everybody she knows. Stir us up, Lord. And we give you thanks, Lord. We give you thanks. I look around and, and, and we all came forward, but I saw one on our knees before you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. What be construed as anxiety, but it's not. It's just there's, there's a stirring of the Spirit going on here. It's a great time to to grab it. Just to, just uh, release. Just release their cognitive minds, Lord, and just allow their spirit. Praise God. She won't get hurt. She'll be all right. And just allow their spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. To just connect. Moving among us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Allow their spirit to connect. Thank you for it, Lord. Blessed, Lord. Blessed, Lord. God Almighty. Thank you, Lord. Ore don't rush away from it. You're doing something in you this morning. You came forward because you needed to move with the Holy Spirit. Don't rush away from it. For the unbelief that we've had. And just give God praise. And if you got anxiety, the Lord gave me word a long time ago. You know, the Israelites, every day they had to go and get their water. They had to go to the well. Well, you need to go to the well where the Lord is and drink of his goodness every day. As you're there, just remember all the great things he's done for you. And your anxiety will flee. Amen. Amen. Something was binding you up, Tess, but uh, it ain't no more. <laughs> he just amen. thrust it out of you. And, amen. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit moving in your lives. See, aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> you thought you'd just come to say hi to me. But <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Well, the Lord be with you. Turn, greet your neighbor with the peace of God.
I just have one more thing to say uh, as you're going from this place. Just don't do it alone. Every single person who is touched this morning, get connected. We've got home groups. We've got leadership. We've got elders. We've got peers. We've got people who want to walk this out with you. So don't do it alone. This is the time to press in. When the Holy Spirit moves, it's the time to press in. Draw near to me and I will run after you. Amen? As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
friend of ours, as well as Jim and Tess, we have Bishop Ariel from uh, Manila, and uh, we're just blessed to stand with those brothers over there, a good friend of ours. You doing well? You look good. <laughs> just going to lift this uh, Eucharist up to... Uh, you and all your colleagues over there, and my colleagues as well. The Lord be with you. With, with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give thanks to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. For you've given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. And so with all the angels and the saints in heaven, we praise you as without end we acclaim. of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread, he gave you thanks and gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, 
do this remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died, Christ Christ is risen, and Christ Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of the clergy. Remember, Lord, especially those who are sick and firmed in spirit, soul, or body. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed, become the body of Christ. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb.
Thanksgiving, let us pray together. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Say, Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world, seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel, God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world himself, not counting men's sins against them. God loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. Best of all, he'll never leave us. He will never forsake you. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. We may with you always. Amen. So come in like a fire. forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Oh.